This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Your host, Katie Thomas, is the director of portfolio services at New Day Solutions, a firm offering expertise in retirement planning with more than 25 years of experience dedicated to high net worth individuals, families, and business owners. We work with you to have a coordinated approach for your comprehensive investment goals, providing concierge service for all generations from a team who can see things from your side of the table. Go to NewDaySolutions.com for more information. Working with your investments, retirement, insurance, estate, or tax planning, or just dealing with everyday expenses, your money matters. Let KT Thomas help you make the most of it. This is KT's Money Matters. Hey there, and welcome back. This is KT Thomas at KT's Money Matters, coming to you with your tips and quips and ways to help you figure out how to manage money, grow money, save money, invest money even be a little bit smarter about how you might spend money. You know, I'm coming to the end of the first year of my recording, and I don't mind telling you, I've really had a blast and I can't wait to see what comes out of 2019. However, I spent a little time looking back on some of the episodes, and so I thought I would try to do a couple of year-end episodes where I took some questions that viewers have been kind enough to send into the show, and then use this first show to kind of redirect you to like little parts of previous podcasts that I think are so worth going back and getting to listen to. You know, this time of year is all about kind of taking stock, what went really well last year and what you hope will go well next year. And, uh, you know, money and financial independence and career development are usually fairly high on the New Year's resolution goals next to you know, eat no more cake, which, you know, of course we all know that uh, comes the diets, but also comes like the money diets or the life goal, career goal, setting time in your life. So for those of you who are thinking about what your plans are to move forward in 2019, I wanted to give you some things to kind of tone into that might help you figure out what actually might really matter to you. And so if you like this show, like our other shows, I really hope that you'd take just a minute to go to iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast and rate and review our show. Also, um, I'm starting to get questions in on the, on the iTunes site as well as on the Money Matters site where you can go into KT's Money Matters and log a question there as well. And then if the question is good or interesting or I could do something great with it, I try to bring that to all of you. So it's a new year with new big ideas and feel free to send whatever you have and I'll try to coordinate it and work it into a show in the future. So when I was thinking about the big changes that I wanted to make in 2019, 
you know, I'm like a girl that's got big lofty goals every year. I love the idea of kind of tearing it all apart, figuring out what worked, what didn't work, thinking about what I'm going to do next and how I'm going to try to do some things differently. And, um, you know, as you all know, I wrote that book this year, The Hardworking Woman's Guide to, to Money, and it launched just about a year ago and is available on Amazon. And so as the year has gone on, I've sold a lot of books on Amazon, which has actually worked out really well for me. So as a marketing venue, Amazon's worked for me. As a marketing venue, Facebook has worked for me. Apparently, you can go in and just cater ads to put your book on the feed of people that might be interested in knowing it. Um, Newsflash about Facebook, they're actually not giving your data to people like me. They are actually just using their data to figure out who to put your ad to them, but they're not telling you who's actually seeing your ad. You must have to spend a lot more money to get the data. But that's okay, because I don't have that kind of money. I'm just selling books for people that might be interested. I've had a lot of book sales in December because New Year's resolution is, like I said, people get serious about money. So if you know anybody that you think should have my book, you should know that we will actually even mail an autographed copy right from our office if you choose to receive it that way, um, rather than going through Amazon, or you can go directly to Amazon. But if, you, uh, if you're interested in ordering a signed copy of our book, you should look at the KT's Money Matters website and there's a place there for you to fill out a form and order the book and we'll be happy to sign it and mail it to whoever you think really needs it, especially if that person is yourself. So let's get down to the meat and potatoes of what I think we should be thinking about when we think about big changes. You know, I, I had a lot of guests on the show this year and the most popular guest this year was actually Tammy Simons, who is the CFP who works with me in my practice. Tammy and I talk a lot about different kinds of financial conversations, but, but in a show, Tammy and I actually talk about the trade-offs of building a family and trying to build a business and trying to be successful as a financial planner and what those trade-offs are that along the way, she had to make some compromises because, of course, we all need to make some compromises. And she talks about that actually rather eloquently in episode 48. And so why don't we just take a listen? Thanks for having me, Katie. You know, one of the things I always think about is people always think that you're either very career-oriented or you're very family-oriented as if one is the exclusive byproduct of the other. Meaning like you're either, you don't care about your kids. I don't want to say you don't care about your kids, but you're less focused on taking care of your family and more focused on your career or you're more focused on your kids and you're really not that engaged in growing a career. But every day when I see you, I know that you are the walking model of the fact that that's not true. That you can be a parent, an active parent, and you can be a professional engaged in growing your profession. And so that's why I asked you to talk to us today because I just think people don't, people always think about people as one of those two boxes. Thank you for the kind comments, Katie. That actually means a lot to me, first and foremost. It's Listen, I wouldn't say if it easy. weren't true. You know me. <laughs> it's not I do my know nature. you. <laughs> so. You know, I, I will say that it's not an easy mix for any parent to be able to have a career and be that parent as well. You, there's a lot of pressures out there. There's a lot of, you know, listen, I, I stand at the bus stop with the other moms, with the other PTA moms, and I feel it. I actually, there's a joke about it at the bus stop. I'm the, wait, what, mother? Because I miss a lot at the PTA <laughs> that they get at the PTA meetings. So I get made fun of a little bit for that. 
but you, you can't say that I'll ever miss anything for my son. Either my husband or I will be there. It's either one or the other. And so one of the big things is you got to have a good support team behind you. So you have to have that spouse that can pick up the slack. And so that's why I succeed in what I do is because of, because of that, we have a good team. Nice. So, you know, I'm going to say that there's got to be a little bit more than a good team, although I think that's fantastic. Here's what I'll say to you. I also think it takes a level of drive, like a willingness to continue to climb. I think that I always talk to people about like being on the right ladder. And so you found yourself in a career that you knew that that wasn't going to be your long-term career and that you wanted to be able to make a change, but it was really like a complete change. And this was, you know, maybe 10 years ago. So can you talk a little bit about how you decided to become a financial advisor and what you were doing when you made that decision? Sure. I was a travel agent. So I started off in leisure travel, doing tours for a tour company. I did group travel and always trying to go up the ladder, find mostly financially because I was in my 20s, not making much money. So at that time, it was it was mostly financially driven. How can I earn more money? How can I become more? And so I ended up in corporate travel, which I have to say, it was not fun, not like leisure travel at all. And so, but still, there's a limit to how much you can make in travel. And, you know, I, I'll be honest, many times my husband and I would be sitting there and we'd be dreaming about, you know, we'd be watching, oh God, the HGTV station. About oh my God, that's houses. like crack. The worst. Yeah, it is. The worst. Especially for somebody that wasn't making a lot of money. And so we always had these dreams and we always had these ambitions. And frankly, my husband really was content with what he was doing. And so I got to a point where I realized, you know, nobody's actually going to move me forward. I actually have to do something. Actually, I have to like make a change. I either keep working in travel and, and work my way up the corporate ladder, or I make a change and I do something that I, I really love to do, show my passion in it. And so I decided that I wanted to be in finance and be a financial advisor and help other families kind of do the same thing, really. Right. Help them grow and develop and move and become become something that they never aspired to be. So that's really what I, I wanted to do. So I went back and I, I got a bachelor's degree in business but with a concentration in finance, which wasn't while I was working. Yeah, working and going to school nights and a little baby at home. And a little baby, yes. Okay, let's not talk about this was like, hey, listen, I just went back to school. People, she went to school while working and raising a little baby. Here's what you find out. There's 24 hours in a day. Did you know that? <laughs> Not I many did. People and you actually use every single one of them. <laughs> and you use every single one of them. I actually just made a joke yesterday that I, you know, I'm one of those people that I don't like to miss out on fun and I don't like to miss out on anything in my family. So you know, this past weekend was Father's Day. I wanted to spend a good day with my husband, with my son, with some friends of ours, and we wanted to have a good day, but I had a paper due. And so I'm working on my paper. I'm working on my MBA now. And and what I found out is, you know what, sometimes it's better just to stay up late when everybody else is in bed, and that way you're not missing out on anything, and you get the paper done. <laughs> Except sleep. <laughs> Hey, listen, sleep is, uh, <laughs> you figure that piece out. Sleep is overrated. <laughs> Lots of coffee. I mean, I, I think at different times in your life, you have to decide, you know, what matters. And obviously you decided that what mattered was being an active family member, being an active spouse, being an active mother, and then also working on your career. And that meant there were other things you didn't do because you did those things instead. 
And so the power of picking what you really want can be really, really meaningful. So you leave travel, a business you actually know how to do, and you go to work for a financial services company and you sort of learn the business from the ground up. Tell me a little bit about that. So what was important to me was there's lots of new financial advisors out there. What I'll say is it coming into it as a new financial advisor, not really understanding the, you know, what's available, what, you know, the investments out there, not having the history behind you is a, is a tough deal. Building a business on something that you know very little about is very, very tough. And then you, person who has a lot of integrity and worries about things like myself, has a hard time doing that. They want to know what's the right thing to do. What 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 advice am I going to give this client that's going to be meaningful and it's going to be good for them, not necessarily just building my book of business. And so what I decided to do is take a slower approach, which I think a lot of women do. Men tend to jump right in, but women do tend to take a more thoughtful, not that jumping in isn't thoughtful, but a more careful, I guess that's a word, or less risky way about it. And I was a paraplanner. So I worked with advisors, uh, senior advisors. I learned a lot from them. They both had different styles and I learned what not to do and I learned what to do and I learned what style I was. And so it gave me that good, solid platform so that when, when it was time for me to jump in, I already had a good, solid base of knowledge. And so I think that's important. And frankly, I think it's important for clients to have that person as well, not, not a person that has a little to no education in finance, which I did. Right. I came from travel. So that's where I started. Yeah. You make this great point. And I always talk about being on the right ladder right? So you can climb any corporate ladder you want, but if you're actually on the wrong ladder, then it's not helpful. It's actually better to be on the bottom of the right ladder than to be in the middle of the wrong ladder. And what I mean by that is if you're in travel and you're getting promoted, but what you really want to be is in financial services, staying in travel makes you feel good right now, but it doesn't actually get you into financial services. So sometimes when we think about career development, sometimes being willing to step back in order to step up in the right direction is a big part of moving forward. That's right. And it was a tough decision to make because I'll tell you the the growth is slower and that's frustrating to me. But the growth has been slower because of it, because of the type of person that I am and and the the ladder that I took. And frankly, the risks are lower. So I I have a family, I have a son, I have a, a house that we manage and we need to support all of that. And sometimes in your life, you have to take on less risk in order to make sure that you have a stable platform for your family too. So what I wanted to talk about next was, so first of all, you took a lot of chances along the way. And I think when I talk to people a lot that say they're, you know, they're stuck, right? They're having the midlife crisis or their career is in a rut. And I'm not saying that they should all go to financial services. That's not the point of this podcast. The point of this podcast is to talk about how do you get yourself unstuck, right? So, um, We have some tips to talk about as we think about, um, like, how do you get yourself rolling? And, you know, of course, because we're planners, needless to say, our first (laughs) one is make a plan, right? We make a plan for everything. That is who we are. We have plans for vacation. We have plans for Christmas. We have plans for everything. And we have career plans. So what's a career plan? Career plan is when you look at where you want to be, you look at where you are, and you figure out, first of all, am I on the right ladder? And if not, what do I have to do to get on the right ladder? And then, Tammy, you've got number two. Yeah, education. 
so um i you know i if 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 i have to give one pointer i would say that nobody's actually stuck and so i hear that actually a lot that um you know you can get an in a, in a rut that happens all the time but nobody's actually stuck so you have to understand that you have you have you have options and you have opportunities you just have to see the opportunities and so education however is part of that so if you find yourself in a position where you want to you know where you want to be 10 years from now then you just have to figure out i think your analogy of the ladder is great then you just have to figure out what ladder you need to get on in order to get yourself to that 10 year mark that you want to be at and so in many times that's that's going to require you going back uh and getting a a different degree maybe it's a certification maybe it's a trade that you could do and that's always an always an option there's all kinds of uh assistance there, financial assistance there to to help um, individuals out. And there's whole kinds of coaches out there to help individuals out, but there are ways of doing it and you just need to see the opportunities and go for it. So if you're working and you have a family and you're really trying to figure out how all those pieces come together, I really encourage you to think about the whole life plan, not just the career plan, or maybe just the money plan, but just that whole life plan. How are you going to make it all work? How are the stakeholders in your life, whether that's your family or your friends or your employer or your um, self, God forbid you should be on the top two or three of your whole life. How are these people all going to be satisfied as you think about moving forward? And if not, who's going to be left unsatisfied and how are you going to cope with that? You know, also this year, you know, I found a lot of people that had written books that talked about, you know, kind of like the tips of being successful. And I actually love that stuff because it always gets me excited and thinking about the future and how I'm going to do it too. And so I cut a little clip off of episode 21. Karen Briscoe does the five minutes to success. Now, you should know that her focus is in real estate sales, but frankly, she talks about all businesses and people who start businesses. And so just to put it in perspective, in the United States alone, 600 businesses are started every year, and then seven out of 10 of those businesses fail. Now, we didn't talk about business failure, but we talked about how to be one of the three of the 10 businesses that actually succeed. And I thought that that was really interesting, and I'd love you to just take a listen. Being a a champion and empowering women in my industry, it is predominantly a women-oriented field. And yet, when you get to the top levels of either the companies that, you know, real estate, residential real estate, and or the people who are running the big teams and the brokerages, that goes down to about 20%. You know, my industry, yeah, my industry is a lot like that. You know, I was reading your bio, and one of the things that I thought was interesting is that you know, to brag a little about you, is that you're the principal owner of your own firm and that Wall Street Journal has has recognized your firm as one of the top 250 realtor teams in the United States, which is quite an amazing statistic when you think about how many realtors there are across the country to be the principal owner of that kind of a group is really amazing to be that and to be a woman. I think that people don't understand from a woman's perspective that a lot of these careers, people get Sometimes they get into them because they can make some of their own hours. And so when you were, you know, you had your children at home and you were trying to do some of that, that it was, it allowed you to be engaged at maybe a lower level and have a little bit more control. But then as you go up the ranks, and I see this too in the financial field, 
the number of people at the top in financial services, you know, I look around, there are not that many women with me. And so that has started, lit a passion inside of me because that's where the vision comes in. I coined the Virginia Woolf quote of, you know, a woman should have room of her own and money in order to write fiction. Well, I think women should have a business of their own because in that it's very empowering. And I find that, you know, and obviously there are men that are very successful and and give back as well. But when women uh, achieve success, the people around them's lives improve at a much greater level. And and I've seen that in my own family's life. And so when it's kind of like the rising tide, you know, raises all boats. So, you know, when women's lives improve, the people around them, not just uh, family members, but also you know, the staff that I hire and the agents that I work with and the people that I coach and the people that I train, I see their lives improve. And so that is where my vision kicked in and became, again, as as many times happens when people achieve a high level success, people want to know how you do it or how you accomplished it. Because as you as you pointed out, there are actually 2 million licensed real estate agents in the United States, and there are only a handful that get to the top. And so people want to know how you do that. And so that's how the, I'd been doing coaching and training, and then the idea of writing the book came about, and that kind of has its own story. But that was where the passion really came into being or creation was because I saw this opportunity to reach out and connect with women and help them achieve a higher level of success in their business and life. You know, that's terrific. Tell me a little bit about how you stay focused throughout the year in your career. I mean, you have a lot of things going on between the book and then, of course, you've got a very large real estate firm. How do you keep it all focused and going? You know, I think that habit is what does that for me. I'm a naturally very driven person, but in the very beginning, I established good quality habits. And there's a a quote by F.M. Alexander, people do not decide their futures, they decide their habits, and their habits decide their futures. And so very early on in my real estate career, I committed to the habit of lead generation, prospecting, business development. It's called a lot of different things. But what I found is is that the the people that are the rainmakers, the people that make business happen, the people that make deals happen are always going to be in demand. And so you can create your own demand, if you will, by the fact that if you generate business, people are going to want to be a part of that. And so I committed to that very early on. In fact, I have my very first weeks and months. I've kept all of the tracking that I have done through the years of lead generation. And I can go back to the very first person I talked to in the very first week I was in business and see where my business is coming from. So that commitment to the habit of business development. Uh, When you have more leads, more business, more opportunity, more clients, you have so many more choices. And When you say stay focused, see, I think that that's where a lot of times I find people, they miss out on opportunity because they're waiting until they feel focused or they feel like doing it. Right. When (laughs) actually the work will focus you if you decide to allow it. Yes. If you, for myself, but I've seen it happen for so many people, if you commit to doing it, then the rest of it will maybe not necessarily get easier, but will become evident. And so that's where the five-minute success concept came in because what you do today can improve your tomorrows, but you have to start today. 
And I found that people would become paralyzed with the idea that they almost were trying to almost always trying to do too much. So I was like, okay, well, and you do five minutes and you're in the financial industry. I mean, you know, think about compound interest. That's right. right. So five minute success is based on compound interest. So if right. you do something every day for your personal and business development over time, that will create an impact. If you don't do anything today, right? If you don't save today, that also creates an impact. <laughs> yes, that also creates an impact over time. And so I'm like, well, go for the positive, right? Go for the thing that could change your tomorrows in a way. Right. And the, the thing that will improve your tomorrows the most in any kind of sales and and really in in a way we're all kind of in sales. I mean, we're all, everybody has to, you know, have people to do business with in order to be in business. So what you do today in that endeavors will lead to your ability to, or your future business pipeline, but then also what you do today to, on your personal development and business development will make you better able to do that, to lead to the future. So that that's how I have, have done it and seen many other people achieve success is by the idea of habits and, and staying focused on good habits. And just executing those good habits every day. Yes. And the idea of the book in, as well is follows this premise that people, you know, have these intentions that they're going to, right. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's like New Year's day, right? I mean, it's like every day is, you know, okay, today I tend to do it. You still have to do it, but the book is compelling in the sense that the idea of a lot of business literature and development books, they're maybe overwhelming for people, almost like tsunami approach is just too much. And so because it's too much, they either don't digest it, and so it doesn't get put into to practice. Also, oftentimes, I call them linear books. You know, they're chapter one, chapter two, they're That's like, right. I don't know where to stop. And it often can be very informative, but maybe not inspiring. Right. And then books that are inspiring may not give you enough information to give you something to actually put into action. So when you were talking about, you know, how all of this came about, about part of it, too, was that I had this epiphany to create a business book that was also inspiring so that like peanut butter and chocolate comes together and makes it, you know, more, you know, desirable, the idea of information and inspiration in one book. Right. will be more transformative because if you can remember it, you're more likely to put it into practice. That's right. And so, so, and you have to be inspired to do something about it too. You absolutely have to be inspired to do something about it. So, if you were to say what your unique thing is, well, is it I would ability to put those two things together in a in a way that's concise that people can then use it and take action, or you can use it and take action. It, yes, that is a way to frame it. When I was doing coaching and training, and I still do with people, what I found was they would say, "Oh, I could remember your stories. I can remember how you explained it because it had something sticky or a story or something along with it, so that it was a, a lot of instruction." When people go to training and they come away and the, the implementation isn't there, it could be entertaining, and the implementation isn't there, but it has to be implemented or it's not going to make a difference in you know again someone's tomorrow. So. The unique thing about myself and the book and the concept of five-minute success is that it is more likely to be implemented because every day's got a, a story along with a concept in real estate or business development. It really applies pretty universally, I found. The idea that if you take away one 
concept a day, then you can build on that and create like, you know, we talked about the compound interest. So that's the unique aspect to the way I have found people achieve and also that the book provides that vehicle for doing so. Now, I think a lot of her advice is pretty straightforward, but the idea that she implements it on a regular and consistent basis and that she builds her plan of action, you know, is really exciting to me. You know, I really, you know, you've heard me say it a lot of time. It's like you build the plan, you work the plan, you shrug off adversity, and you continue to work the plan. And she really boils that down. But I had another speaker this year that I thought really helped drive that point home. If you can listen to a little bit more, think about episode 34. So we had John Doskin. And, you know, John does professional coaching. He does business consulting. And I really thought that, you know, he had uh, really interesting tidbits about the execution of a plan and the ongoing execution of a plan and how to get yourself unstuck, you know, if you get stuck. Because let's face it, sometimes we do get stuck. And so I thought his advice was really helpful too. I think if I could, I'd like to talk in pretty simple terms. So if I could really narrow it down and zoom in, I think first and foremost, no matter what you've done, you can never believe your own PR. That's number one, because you got to kind of really look at things in it with a very clean slate and see what's really going on and where your market share is and where your mind share can be. And I think that starts with the very first thing that everybody needs to do. And it amazes me, KT, how many people don't do it is actually create a business plan. So whether it's you ask for personal and, and or business, you know, whether it's a personal plan or a business plan and just mapping something out with very specific goals that are very measurable and how you're going to do something, it amazes me how many people don't have a plan. And number two is once you create the plan, you must be consistent in executing the plan. And that lack of consistency is, I think, a big place where people begin to fall short. You know, business is a very aggressive sport and you have to be consistent and you have to be consistent off your plan and your plan has to be anchored in the bedrock of your mission statement, your values and lead you where you're going. You know, it's, that's an excellent point. One of the things that I always find is people will say to me, oh, I, I want to start a business so that I can work from home. I can have more time. A lot of times it's built around this idea of the work-life balance, or it's about control, right? Being able to be in control of everything. And sometimes people say to me, they, they want to start a business. And I think to myself, oh, this person should never start a business. I think it's sometimes there's like a core of what people are. How do you feel about that? Is it, can you teach somebody to be, be an entrepreneur or is it just innate? Or is it just within them? You know, I get asked that question a bunch, actually. And I think you are, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to answer it like a politician. I'm not really going to give an answer. But <laughs> I think you are innately born an entrepreneur. You have the DNA with a level of risk that you can take that is just different from other people. But I think there's a lot of people out there who also want to be an entrepreneur, but they need the proper entrepreneur business partner. And finding the right business partner, I think, is really difficult to do. So I think you really need to be honest with yourself and ask yourself, am I the type of entrepreneur that can be a solo entrepreneur or do I need a business partner to grow the business? I've had businesses where I've had two business partners and I have had businesses, my business now, which is just me. And so it really depends on that. You can also be a side entrepreneur. What I mean by that is there's some people that just aren't willing to take the risk, but they have this creative energy within them. So they have a full-time job, 
but they do it something on the side. And whether it is you know, a little bit of consulting or maybe a thing on Etsy or maybe something online where they're selling certain services or books or products. You know, it's, I think, I think you can, you can have it all. You just have to know what type of level of entrepreneur you want to be. You know, my sister-in-law always calls it the side hustle. Yeah. The second way or the third (laughs) way that you make a living Mm -hmm. and how popular that's become, you know, in the last half a dozen years where people are really, I don't know if it's technology or the platform, but people really are out there trying to do a little bit more. But, you know, a lot of times I see companies that get stuck, meaning that they've been, you know, cranking it out the same way, or maybe the market has been changing against them and they have just not been able to keep up. And so do you have some tips for people that get stuck? Yeah, I think when you get stuck, and this is this is not a, prom- a promotion for me by any means, but a lot of times those people need to get somebody in there with a different set of eyes and ears and they need to get a coach because they need somebody to kind of shake them up and get them moving. And or if you, they decide not to do that, they have to commit to a process of reinvention and evolution, and they need to put that into their day-to-day. And I think a lot of times when companies get stuck, it's really the people that are making it stuck because a lot of times they're the wrong people and or they're the owner of the company that's just feeling stuck because they've been doing something for so long they're just feeling stale. And so, you know, they start to get stale and they're becoming so just bored with their own day to day and their passion that once was their passion now becomes their prison. And so they need somebody to shed a new perspective on, on the business and help them get unstuck. It's really hard to get unstuck on your own. So whether it's a coach, whether it's a mentor, somebody that is going to push you to the next level. Otherwise, I think it's hard just to do on your own without spinning your wheels. I see a lot of people spinning their wheels. You know, I've been in I've been in business for a long time myself, and over the years my business has had to evolve and change because for a number of reasons. I mean, market conditions have changed, technology has changed. You know, I mean, I started my business when you used to call people up and ask to be invited over to their house. Yeah. And people said yes. I mean, right. you know, <laughs> this right. is the 90s. <laughs> Today they'd be like, you know, calling the police. And first right. of all, they wouldn't be answering the phone. And then if they did, they'd be calling the police or putting themselves on the do not do not call list or whatever. So it's a very different business and investments have become very sophisticated over the last you know 15 years, especially that things are just night and day. And if you decided that you were going to not evolve, then you're like a Neanderthal. Yeah. And I think that that's really difficult to decide that you're not going to be that anymore. So if you've been, you know, sort of camping on your business for a while, taking the easy money and it's been rolling along, it's a little less and less and less. And you say to yourself, well, I could work a little harder. I could change it. But like on your point, most people can't really change it on their own. Well, and also it's, you know, it's like you said earlier about your, I think it was your sister-in-law, this calls it the side hustle. You know, I call it a side entrepreneur, but it is easier today to start a business and compete with someone than ever before with technology, with, with so many other things that you mentioned earlier. So if you're not evolving, then you're actually going backwards. And it does. It may not feel it until all of a sudden your competitors come and you and you're like, wait, what? What just happened? How did we lose this business? How did we lose the market share? How did we lose our edge? Well, you lost your edge because you weren't paying attention. And when you get stuck, it's hard to pay attention because your your just your 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 senses are off. And so you need somebody to to remind you of what those senses are and wake you up. I find that a lot of times when people get stuck, they're just not aware, and it's like they're walking through their days sleeping. And, and that's a problem. 
Now, I don't know about you, but when I listen to these different clips, I get excited all over again, like I'm just hearing them for the first time. And I know that in planning for the next year, I know I have to have a little excitement about the future in order to make sure that I'm able to execute the way that I want. I wish you all the best of luck in your planning for your goals in 2019. And I hope that you find these three episodes as a way to help you think about how you might help yourself, not just get through the first six weeks, but to get through the first 12 months of your 2019 business plan. And we're wishing you the best next year. So until we speak again. Thanks for listening to KT's Money Matters with KT Thomas. For more information, past episodes, and show notes, go to www.ktsmoneymatterspodcast.com. Make sure you subscribe and recommend it at iTunes, Overcast, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.